Hi everyone, this is Alex, just letting you know up front that we had some serious technical issues with this episode. Uh, I apologize for the lateness of the episode, I'm editing as fast as I can, um, but I'm not sure how much I'll be able to salvage. Thank you for bearing with us, uh, and I'll let the taxpayers play us in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Henry Christinger's Pokemon Going to Die, Not a Threat. Just a fact. It's the number one leftist podcast by, for, and of the Terminally Online. I don't know if that's the exact wording, but that works for our purposes. Um, today's going to be a bit of a shorter episode. Um, I'm Alex Leaf Crunch, and joining me is Eden uh, T.P. Albuquerque. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we're going to not... Uh, really go into what we usually do, like U.S. politics, uh, world politics, um, just because we didn't really have uh, the people, the resources, the time to prepare that today. Um, we're going to do a couple uh, shout-outs, and then we're going to talk about something that Eden did a few weeks ago, or I guess a couple months ago at this point, which was attend the uh, Slavoj Žižek and Jordan Peterson debate. So I think the first uh, the first topic we've got is just sort of a shout out about the freedom molecules there. Yeah. So this was something that it's not like a like a presidential edict that you have to talk about natural gas as freedom mo- gas or freedom molecules. It was just like an internal like propaganda piece. Um, but it's essentially the same thing as when uh, French fries were rebranded as freedom fries. Uh, which is to say it's a national embarrassment, and it's just kind of a funny one. It, uh, when the Freedom Fries thing happened, was that like, uh, was that just an internal thing, or I, I actually don't remember the circumstances. Um, from what I remember, that, like, that, wasn't a, that wasn't the government, that was just like some guy. Um, I think maybe he was a government official, but it wasn't like a, the United States government has declared that French fries are Freedom Fries thing. Whereas this one, with time, it's kind of a, U.S. government declares that gas is freedom gas. <laughs> I honestly love this new like bit that the United States government is doing of just renaming it freedom molecules. I, I feel like uh, I'm trying to remember. There's another. There was an. I know there was that Eric Garland tweet from a couple of months. Now I want to say maybe even a year where he said that they should start calling Moscow mules freedom donkeys. <laughs> Remind me a little bit of that. I mean, mules and donkeys are not the same thing, but go off, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Eric Garland and like the sort of swirl of like equations that are constantly going around around his head. I don't think that was like the first thing he was worried about was getting the right animal down. <laughs> he didn't carry the two. No, he did not carry the two. Um, yeah, so that's that's just kind of a kind of a funny thing that's happening is that the world doesn't make sense because the people in charge think you can call uh, natural gas 
freedom gas, and that won't change the fact that it's killing the planet. Uh, next shout-out. <laughs> uh, the next shout-out we've got is uh, the many the many wives of online that have uh, come out recently. Uh, I think we found, we have obviously the most recent one, Cliff Wife, who was the wife who fell off a small knoll. And uh, we also have, like, what were some of the other ones? They had the Don't Email My Wife. We had Cliff Wife. There was uh, The Return of Curvy Wife. Oh, yes, the Curvy Wife rap song. Yeah. Um, there was Elf Wife, which is kind of less funny because it's just uh, the wife of Pro Jared who cheated on her. But she was called Elf Wife because the only thing people knew about her was that she was in cosplay. Uh, yeah, I thought that was a Game of Thrones thing at first, and it was much funnier when it was a Game of Thrones thing in my brain. And <laughs> person doing a very bad thing. I love that you think there are elves in Game of Thrones. I I. I, I, I Used to have any coherent knowledge of this television. I no, I genuinely love that. Like, I'm so happy for you. <laughs> I'm unsullied by the bad, bad show of DB Weiss and David Benioff. <laughs> you should be, yeah, because you watch The Good Wife instead. Oh, <laughs> uh, are they involved in The Good Wife? No, it's just a show with that name. Oh, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> I don't know if I didn't pick up on that, that joke until just now, but yeah, that makes sense. I was really scared for a sec that they had somehow gotten involved with the good wife. <laughs> like, oh no. It's actually just um, completely unrelated quickly. Is the good wife any good? Like, I don't know. You... I've never seen it. Okay, neither have I. Okay, I think that's really all we have for shoutouts, honestly. Well, there's also the USS John S. McCain, uh, which Trump was visiting and didn't want to see John McCain's name. Um <laughs> Which is a problem because all the crew have the name of the boat on their hats. And to remedy this, um, the crew was all given a day off uh, because I guess they can't take off their hats or I mean, put I, something over their hats. I guess they pro- by proxy, then that's actually kind of a good, that's kind of a, a nice story, even if it comes from the president being like extremely wet. It like, at the very least, all those. Because, like, because he was on a boat, yeah. Oh, I. He was wet because he was on a boat. He got, he, splashed. he got splashed by the, uh, it's a speed, the few people realize that the SS John McCain is actually, uh, just a speedboat. <laughs> so Trump got splashed on a fishing trip that he was taking. <laughs> um, and then he, 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 uh, he, he caught a minnow and he was like, this is the hugest fish I've ever seen. And it's because his hands are small. Oh, uh, I'm, hold on. Actually, just a second here. I'm, I'm getting a text. Uh-huh. Oh. Sorry. I've, what does it oh, say? It looks, it looks like President Trump resigned on, on, oh. account, on account of all the good jokes we just told about him. Well, you know, say what you will about him, but he, uh, he knew when to throw in the towel. That's true. Say what you will about Trump, but he does have very small hands and he's orange. And he's what? And, and he's orange. Um, so that's our shout outs. Um... <laughs> Quickly though, I'd like to uh, I'd like to throw out the one of the things I, I forgot to mention about the uh, about the like one sort of I guess not heavier but like unfortunate things is but I do think it should should be at least offhandedly mentioned with regard to the uh, freedom molecules thing is uh, one of the, the one of the guys who started releasing the freedom molecules thing also said that essentially compared the way that people were talking about uh, CO2 and carbon to the treatment of Jews in the Holocaust. Yeah. Which is, you know, would be, yeah, so it, it wasn't horrible. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's word garbage. Fuck that person. 
Like that's that's disgusting. Yeah, that's and I just I thought that should be put out there quickly before we head on to the sort of uh, meat of the episode here today. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. there's other stuff that happened this week, uh, less funny. But um, let's talk about something. I don't know. Was it funny? Was what was your overall uh, experience with this? Well, it, honestly, I do have to say, just sort of off the bat, that it was definitely a waste of the money that I spent to go there. In a, to a, do you mind telling us how much money that was, or is that? Uh, it's, no, it's fine. It was about eighty six dollars for a ticket. Oof. Which uh, you had to also buy them in twos for some reason. So I had to spend like so each of my friends and I we each bought like one for each other and then paid and paid back. But it was like weirdly expensive. Like the fact that it was like pushing over like a hundred and you know like a hundred and seventy dollars or something like that per seat uh, per ticket because you had to buy them in the pairs on uh on well, any website really that you went to which i'm not entirely sure why they did like not to mm. sort of disparage the general makeup of the audience but like i don't really think a ton of people were coming to that in couples like it doesn't really seem like a sort of like a date option to me but i guess <laughs> like that's the- imagine your first date being that this this guy that you were talking to on tinder says hey this is really interesting i think you might like this and it's that i mean i can genuinely i I bet you at least one like set of seats in that place was someone on a date maybe not the first date (laughs) date out there and i want to know how that night ended like that's i mean i think it could work for like a certain set of people who like are extremely online and just like both think is ex- very funny. That's true. Cause that's, that's why me and my friends went is because it was just a very online kind of thing to happen. Yeah. Cause like this all started apparently because like after they had exchanged some like back and forth, cause Zizek had said that Peterson was a fraud. Uh, Peterson got into an argument on Twitter with a Zizek quotes bot. Oh my God. And it, and been repeatedly reply. It was in a reply chain to the quote spot that was just posting random citations from, uh, like just different Zizek books and articles at him. And he managed to last like a few. They're all the tweets are deleted now, but I, you could probably look them up and find like all the like the whole series of because he, he quote tweeted instead of replying for some reason, but <laughs> he just repeatedly quote tweeted the replies of this Twitter. You know, <laughs> like random zizek quotes at him and then eventually it turned into this and the biggest reason why i was yeah that is so funny yeah it was it was a weird situation and and honestly that level like that level of discourse is kind of what ended up being the the actual main event like we went there and he peterson hadn't actually read anything zizek had written and he admitted as much at the very beginning of the debate Mm -hmm. and then he also hadn't he had unread any marks other than the communist manifesto. And then that basically was the, it was the debate was over right there. Cause it wasn't like an equal sort of participation going on. So essentially I could have, I could have stepped into Jordan Peterson's shoes and made the same arguments he did. Oh, almost absolutely. Like almost all of his arguments were just like the kind of thing you hear from like, uh, like a 18 year old libertarian who's like, you know, sort of just getting a feel of like politics and stuff. It was genuinely embarrassing to watch. And like, <laughs> even as someone who has like absolutely no sympathy for Jordan, uh, I felt extremely bad at points watching. Yeah. It just felt like 
it felt it, it, I know he does deserve it, but it almost felt like making fun of someone who doesn't deserve it because of the degree to which he was just completely and utterly unprepared for the whole like it, it felt like so, laughing at someone who hadn't prepared for a presentation in school or something. Yeah. I mean, I guess my my first question that I have is I don't even remember is was the for a dollar name a Marxist? Was that something that actually happened or was that just like a meme that happened afterward? That was something that Matt posted in the Discord, but it was a very, like, it was basically what had happened at the, <laughs> uh, what had happened was essentially is Zizek uh, kept, you know, was needling him about how he always talks about postmodern neo-Marxists and kept asking him to ask to if he could name a single Marxist and he couldn't, and at no point was he able to just pull, to pull together even one name of a Marxist theoretician that he was you know, that he was talking about, despite the fact that he was sitting across from a Marxist theoretician. <laughs> at that moment, he could not pick a single name. Yeah, it was, it, and, that, and that sort of became a meme. I can't remember if it was a thing that more people said or if that was just what Matt posted in the chat when it was happening. I've definitely seen it, like, on Twitter. Yeah, I think, yeah, it must have, it must have been a meme that I wasn't really following it on Twitter because I had to take notes because I was also partially there because of a school thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's yeah, I saw some of that stuff a little while later where the like the biggest the biggest takeaway, honestly, that I had from is that even Peterson's fans, because I went and checked on his subreddit after the event, I went and checked and he actually even his fans were saying they were somewhat disappointed in Peterson's performance, which is something I didn't expect. Even even coming out of it, I thought, oh, they're all going to try to spin it, but they didn't. Mm -hmm. That's very funny. Um, So, yeah, I I guess um. I'd, something I, I didn't have a chance to look into was apparently Zizek has had a take since the debate that uh, will obviously be affecting people's view of him, uh, which I mean, like, Zizek isn't like a great person, all okay. things said. Yeah, that's something that I, I should probably get out there as quickly as possible with regards to like what I'm going to because when I'm going to talk about him later on in the episode, I don't like Zizek. Like, mm-hmm. I feel should be stressed like he's not a good person or in my opinion a very good theoretician either i mostly went to this honestly for the joke value and i feel somewhat bad about doing that anyhow but the the thing that stresses yeah he's not a good person and his most recent take as you mentioned is that is uh, a bad trans take about how gender I- the way people understand gender identity is uh, incompatible with freud uh which okay sure because we have to be compatible with freud these days yeah, he. It's it's funny to me that like obviously the ty- uh, the headline is in my opinion a bit more inflammatory than the article itself. Like it's still bad, but the title makes it sound like he's going into like full turf mode, and he doesn't. He's for the most part more respectful than he usually is. But the only problem, you know, he has absolutely no idea what he's talking about because he's speaking about an experience he can't have, mm-hmm. and he basically he, he basically his whole point of it is is that you know. Uh, trans trans identity has to be something inborn that's decided psychosexually in childhood and can't be something that people are allowed to define for themselves. And that's not as bad as the title originally, you know, the title of the article led me to believe it was going to be, but it's still not good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it was honestly let like, it's, you know, it was transphobic and it was bad and it was kind of the same thing that Zizek has always kind of, it's always kind of been problematic about Zizek is that he's probably the most famous academic Marxist, like currently active, 
but he's really a pretty bad standard holder, honestly, for, you know, left wing theory as like a popular figure. He's not a good standard bear for it at all. Right. All right. Well, yeah, that's good to keep in mind as we talk more about it. Yeah, it was it was he very much was problematic even in the course of the debate itself. He had a lot of stuff where he tried to, you know, he tried to talk about like, you know, political correctness and talk about how that was you know, like just liberalism. And he tried to talk about like how he doesn't, he, he said something at some point about how he doesn't feel bad for immigrants. If I remember correctly, or if he refuses to have uh-huh. a kind of sympathy for immigrants, I don't like he, he, how about how liberals don't talk about the bad things that immigrants do and that we need to be objective and that whole kind of thing. And that really sucked to hear from someone who was supposed to be the good guy of that debate. Uh huh. All right. That's, I mean, isn't he an immigrant? Yeah, he that's the worst part is he is an immigrant. Like, obviously, he's not the kind of immigrant that people talk about when they talk about scare quotes immigrants. Yeah, he's because, you know, and that's the biggest problem. I think he does still live in Slovenia. But I mean, he spends a lot of his time in America. And mm-hmm. I don't understand. Well, I mean, I do. But it's just it's one of those things where he was you, you tell he was trying very hard to appeal to uh, Peterson's audience. He wanted to try and basically convert as many people as he could from that, uh, from that way over to himself. Cause he spent very little of his actual time engaging with anything Peterson said, which was fair enough, but he spent most of his time trying to uh, just elucidate his own positions and talk about what he thought. And I can definitely see how you could go, if you, you could go from being a Peterson fan to being a Zizek fan pretty easily, but that's not necessarily a good thing. Right. I don't know. It was a, it, it was a, yeah, the whole sort of experience was very, was very weird. He, he definitely, he did a good job in everything except for like, though, like that, that sort of stuff. Like he was able to defend Marx and Marxism, but that's one thing, but he was also, you know, a, a bad person, which is arguably more important in something like that. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, um, do you want to get into some questions that our audience has about uh, the debate? I'll I'll do that. Uh, yeah, that's that sounds good. There's just one other. If there's one other thing I did want to mention. Oh yeah, for sure. Go ahead. The uh, about the actual structure of things is that uh, one of the one of the most important sort of moments in the debate that a lot of people were commenting on later was there was a period in which they started talking about uh, like Christianity and religion for an extended length of time that really had almost nothing to do with the overall series. <laughs> ended up agreeing like a great deal about religious symbolism and stuff. And it really ended up having, that, that isn't really to say much, obviously though, because they weren't really talking about anything of any substance at that point. But the mm-hmm. issue that led a lot of Peterson fans that I've seen now on the internet to kind of say that, well, Peterson's going to take on Zizek's critique and it's just going to make him stronger. And it's just going to make him like better than he already was. But the only, like, and obviously the, Obviously, A, he wasn't any good to begin with. But the other problem that sort of comes out of that is that Peterson's, like, there wasn't just a critique of Peterson's stuff. Zizek pretty handily, like, sort of took him apart because, like, he didn't, he literally didn't understand any, any even, like, not even just Marxism, but leftism in general. One of his biggest things was claiming that, like, leftists think that capitalists are evil. And that's why they want to, like, overthrow them as they believe that all the poor people are good and all the rich people are bad. And I mean, like, right. That tends to be, you know, that tends to be the case, but it's not, you know, the case beforehand. It's not because they're evil, they're billionaires, or they're, or that all billionaires are in, are inherently evil. It's the structure of capitalism that makes them do things that are, yeah, exactly, 
And that was sort of like the biggest thing is he tried to make it all into this sort of, you know, the classic right wing virtue signaling kind of thing that, you know, Marxists just want their people on top. And, you know, it was, it was a very sort of, again, very elementary sort of conversation because Zizek, you know, it's Zizek's field. It's not Peterson's. And it felt like a, that was probably the worst part of it is Peterson's not a political philosopher. He's not a politician. He's not an activist. He's not anything like mm-hmm. all field. And so it feels like if you want to have a constructive debate, which obviously I don't think is necessary because debate hasn't gotten any one anywhere at this point with regards to any political things in the past little long while. But if you want to have a constructive debate, I don't understand why you picked two people who one of whom is an expert in a field and one of whom is clearly not. And then said, this is the people we're going to have debate each other. It's it was never going to be productive from the very start. Exactly. And I don't think any anyone was pretending it would be. I think it was very much a spectacle from the start. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that was that was it was kind of disappointing, though, because like as a spectacle, it was fine. Like it was very funny. I will say that like there was and that's what matters. Yeah, people, someone got kicked out within 15 minutes of the debate having begun. Wow. Because at the start, they said, you're not allowed to heckle. You're not allowed to yell at the, uh, you know, anything. No conversation allowed between the audience and the participants. And Peterson said something, I don't remember what, and some guy in the background yelled, you are the dumbest fucking person I've ever met. And you can <laughs> the sounds of him being like rustled and fought with insecurity in the background for the next couple of minutes. <laughs> Things like that kind of continued for the basically throughout the entire length of the event. It was, you know, lots of, you know, them throwing more jokes than any actual sort of interaction with each other. And, you know, and and, and also Peterson's fans definitely formed a larger contingent of the people there. So it definitely felt like, you know, everything. It definitely felt like everyone there was relating more to Peterson, even though like at the beginning, because, you know, they were all hyped up and ready to support their guy. But as things went on, it ended up being literally turned into a Zizek lecture towards the end because he Peterson (laughs) there for about 45 minutes and listened to Zizek talk about capitalism. And he actually ended up, he appeared to agree with him. And I don't, you know, (laughs) cool, like meat of the debate, if you can call it that. And it was just, I don't know, it was a very strange experience from back to front. Like it was either, it was complete chaos. Seems wild to have been there. Yeah, honestly, that's the only reason I'm glad to have been there is because it feels like the kind of thing that I can say in the future, oh, hey, I was there for that. And that's really the only value that you really would get out of being there was the ability to say that you were. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, sorry, that was my other thing. We can uh, get into questions now if you like. Oh, yeah, no, that that works great. We actually answered a couple of the questions uh, partially. Um, so our first question comes from Anonymous, who says... On a scale from a sniff to a forehead swipe, how much do you want to die? Sorry, how much did you want to die when Zizek was being overly reactionary? Um, it definitely didn't get fully to forehead uh, swipe levels, uh, but it did get to like aggressively rubbing my nose. I say would be about <laughs> on that one because he never got uh-huh. he didn't he never got to the point where uh, he gets in that uh, big think video where he says the n word. Oh boy. Yeah, he never got to that point. You know, I mean, he, he it's not like a, again, I'm not defending him when I say this. I'm just providing context. He doesn't say it as a, like, directly as a slur. It obviously still is. But he's he's telling a story that I'm sure is very true, where a black guy told him that he could call him the N-word because Zizek told him, had the confidence to say a racist joke to him. 
it's it's okay. It's really bad, and that's when that's when he's and that's when he says it in the context of the story. He still shouldn't. I just want to clarify that this isn't like a Zizek had a heated gaming moment kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Not defending the fact that he said it by any stretch of the imagination, though. For what that's worth, obviously, it was still not great. But yeah, he he got reactionary, but it wasn't the absolute worst I've seen him get or heard him get. All right, that's good to know. Um, host of the show, taking turns at random, our friend Patrick, uh, says, Hi, H. Kip. First time, long time. When thinking about these kinds of personality debates, I often find that the left lacks many alive, popular ideological figureheads without some sort of comedic slant. Zizek is perhaps one of them, but has notable ideological failings. I know the concept of celebrity is kind of fucked up to begin with, but is that a necessary evil we have to contend with in serious discussions about popularizing left thought in the modern age? Damn, that's a good question. That's an extremely good question that I wish I had a better answer for. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, I maybe this isn't, isn't the right comparison to make, but what that makes me think of is is ContraPoints. Oh, absolutely. Who has... Sorry, sorry, I'll let you go into some other thing that, yeah, Zizek and ContraPoints are honestly very similar figures. Yeah, like like pop popular uh, leftism with comedy, with with a persona attached, and with uh, some deep ideological failings. Absolutely. Oh, honestly, the sad thing is, is I'm probably more familiar with Contra than I am with Zizek, all things considered. Uh, but I mean, I don't know if that's sad. I think that's just a circumstance of of where you are in life and in like the history of leftism. That makes sense, yeah. And like the one thing I did want to say about that, which is kind of um, like it kind of speaks to Patrick's point. That's a bit, I guess, the unfortunate side of things is that it's for the right because they have plenty of you know ideological figureheads that you know mm-hmm. are increasingly popular as of late. I think the reason for this is again, what is you know what modern conservatism is is obviously not even really. Uh, it's it's easy to have ideological figureheads for them because it's not really a coherent ideology in terms of like you know, actually trying to strive towards any specific facts. It's just there to keep, make sure that a pre-existing hierarchy continues to exist at any cost. So you can yeah. have ideas you want, so long as those ideas end with the conclusion, rich, you know, rich, straight white men should remain at the top of the top of the pile. And as long as you say that you're fine, you can be Julius Evola and believe in weird esoteric magics, or you can be like a traditional Catholic or a Nietzschean atheist. It doesn't matter so long as at the end you say the things that the people who want, you know, you say the, you say the line, so long as you do that, you're fine. Whereas on the left, we, I like to believe we try to have standards about the people that we hold up as figureheads and mm-hmm. it makes it a lot harder to build those people up, especially in, I mean, that's good that we do that. That's not a criticism whatsoever, but you know, we end up in the situation where we don't have anybody because it's very difficult to live up to those standards. I, I mean, I think in, in some ways, like having figureheads is kind of a, like an oxymoron like the entire point of at least my understanding of leftism is to uh remove hierarchies to like treat everyone uh on a level playing field um and having figureheads having celebrity at all uh even if they have good intentions and even if they were ideologically perfect which is impossible um that would still uh create an uneven playing field I think that's true, and I think that's kind of borne out in the legacy of a lot of, like, you know, historical popular leftist movements. Please don't at me on Twitter. Uh, there's, you know, a lot of 
kind this sort of things where you end you start off with you know people who had you know genuine genuinely probably positive aims for what they were trying to do but you end up sort of deifying those people down the line and you end up with this unwillingness to adapt to and change with the times and that's how you get things like the uh you know the late the late Soviet Union and things like that is is these these worship of these public figures, right? So so what you're saying is that uh, contrapoint stands are the new Leninists. Yeah, yeah, that's that, that's probably a good way to boil it down. This I, I this was a joke. That was no, a joke I, to be clear. I, no, no I, I know, I know. I, I that was for the, for the audience. Yeah, I don't think we're going to be seeing in the future. Uh, giant, uh, giant statues of uh, contrapoints and Zizek in uh, the future. Con- <laughs> <laughs> also, when I said Leninist, I meant Stalinists. Uh, but I mean, yeah. regardless, it's it's the point holds. Yeah. This, this is a this is a comedy podcast. It don't need to worry. About it. Don't fact check us. Yeah, don't fact check us. But it's that that's that's sort of the big thing. Is is I've you know obviously I haven't read a ton of Zizek's things. I've read one of his books for school and one of his articles also for school. And I've seen that debate and that's about it. But from what I've seen of most of his ideas, there's almost nothing even that he says that's not available from someone better suited to like both better in terms of not being a reactionary and better in terms of, you know, presenting the ideas with less academic sort of language than he does. Mm -hmm. Like uh, one of his, like he's, and, and I'm not talking about the psychoanalysis parts, that's almost entirely, you know, can be thrown away. But like the actual leftist ideas that he has, like his whole critique of ideology that everyone holds him up for this, you know, force that makes, you know, the, the force that makes people act the way they do. It's, that's been a Marxist concept forever. And he's just sort of built upon it. And I don't really think that we need Zizek as a movement any more than, you know, I mean, obviously, and, and more so than we don't need any figureheads. I think specifically him, there's not really a ton there, even beyond his, the bad things, the, the good things that people say, this is what Zizek, you know, this is why we should have him and his writings. They're, they're not really worth it. Like, mm-hmm. it's always been kind of, it's it's been kind of confusing to me because like, and I don't want to go too much down like the theory rabbit hole because that's not good for any, anybody. But the one thing I will say is that his, if, you want his ideas, but presented in a coherent sort of way. There's uh, a, it's not a terribly long essay called uh, Ideological State Apparatuses uh, by uh, Louis Althusser. And it's basically the same thing, except presented by someone who was actually, uh, com- you know, more committed to activist causes than Zizek was and presented much more clearly. But I also want to make clear Althusser did also go insane at the end of his life and murder his wife. So I'm not saying that he's a better person. I'm just saying it's clearer and doesn't require you to worship a currently negative celebrity figure. Yeah. I I mean, first of all, who among us hasn't (laughs) gone insane and killed their wife? Um, But I think, yeah, just the idea of worship at all is is a dangerous one when uh, your ideology is to decentralized power absolutely and i think that's yeah that's that's the problem with like these i do think though we do have to for at least a little while grapple with the fact that there's going to be celebrity leftists because oh yeah for sure i mean we're not gonna like no one's gonna gonna know what the deal is unless someone tells them um and that's kind of the unfortunate like paradox you enter into is you don't want to deify these people but there's going to be a large section of a movement that is going to deify these people because they're the ones who you know 
are the quote unquote originators of whatever is going on. Like you see like a lot, like whenever, you know, ContraPoints or uh, H-Bomber guy or any of these sort of people just speaking for the online left make genuine mistakes or, you know, even if they're not mistakes, like, you know, do something problematic. There is this knee jerk response to sort of defend them because, you know, they're doing more good than they are harm. That's Mm -hmm. a bad way, I think, to view these kind of things because like, not from an ideological purity sense, but if they're doing something that's harmful, that's gonna, that's gonna be, you know, the undoing of any movement they're leading at the end of the day anyways. So I don't think that it's, you know, worth the while. Hmm. That's yeah, that's, that's not how I had thought of it, but that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I think that's the best I could do for that, uh, that particular question. That's a pretty, you know, I mean, yeah, that was a, that was a big question. The big question is pretty complicated by worms there. Maybe a, a bit of a simpler question from another host of the show, Tremampoline, our friend Matt says, Hey, it's me, dad. Which between Zizek and Peterson hates women more? Thanks. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I guess it has to be Peterson just because at least Zizek has like some level of existing like that, like leftist values, whereas Peterson has said that there should be enforced monogamy. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's... By the way, is it is it Zizek, not Zizek? Have I been saying it wrong? I honestly, it is Zizek. You're saying it right. It's just, it's been so burned into my brain that this is how you say it, that I'm, despite trying, probably okay. still keep fine. saying Zizek for the rest of this episode. But you're you're right. I am, and I'm trying to say it properly. That's fine. I, I was just not sure. No, that's, no, that's fine. It's just, yeah, you're, you've got it right. But it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like it's hard to top Peterson being for forced monogamy in terms of hating women. But yeah. No mistake, Zizek definitely has big misogyny problems. Big misogynist energy. Yes, uh, and for he is uh, he is unfor- uh, damn it! I, I totally lost the the bit I was going to do there, but yeah, Zizek is not uh, is not f- free of sin in that regard. Um, a bit like that was the that was one of the that was actually something that didn't really come up though at the debate. I will say was there was really not a lot of talk about you know, uh, women's rights or anything like that. Neither one of them said women's rights. Neither one of them said trans rights. It was uh, very, Damn. honestly, I wanted to hear Zizek say trans rights. I'm sure that's a thing he would do. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Which kind of speaks to that meme as kind of an empty platitude. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, that, that was, that was the thing is, is I wanted to, I genuinely wanted to try to find and speak to uh, speak to Zizek before I before I left. I was definitely overly optimistic about the chances that either of them were going to do anything afterwards. Uh-huh. Because Zizek actually has been known for being relatively friendly after his lectures and whatnot. And I wanted to talk to him just specifically so I could get a video of him saying trans rights, just because I thought, right. like you said, that is kind of a hollow a hollow statement to get somebody to say because you know. It's it's literally just require saying two words. It doesn't really mean anything, and it's kind. Of- what if what if Shishak said "semper funny"? <laughs> oh man, I really want to really want to hear Shishak. That'll be so good. It'll be extremely good. Right. Shishak said "semper funny." Matt, you have a a cameo account. I guess you know what 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 to do to get someone to say "semper funny." I really hope Shishak has a cameo account. <laughs> i mean i know he did actually he wrote ad copy uh for i think kelvin klein like a little uh, a, oh yeah i saw that 
which was still very strange to me. Like he, uh, he said that he, because he'd rather work for a corporation than be an academic in America, which is a weird statement to make, but this is all. Sounds like maybe a, his performance art. Yeah, that's. I think that's what he was trying to trying to do because all of the the captions he writes are all very you know philosophical Hegelian stuff about you know people performing romance for the people watching them. So it, it's very thank you mm-hmm. kind of thing. Uh, kind of <laughs> what's on there about like how you're buying these products because you want other people to see you in them and you want their recognition and like again it, it's it, it just it it feels like a lot of what he does is to be seen and not really because he's actually like interested in advancing any particular cause or any particular ideas yeah he's he's interested in advancing slavov zizek or as uh, as he's as, as a personality rather than as anything else like he, he contradicts himself like repeatedly in a lot of the interviews and stuff that he gives if it's going to say the contrarian thing mm-hmm. um should we go to the next question sounds good hello Oh, yes. Uh, sorry. Yeah, I think I cut out again. But yeah, whenever it's good. Okay. Uh, so Tumblr user Rowan Wordsmith asks, did the Peterson versus Zizek debate seem like the sort of thing that actually had a meaningful impact on its audience? Because I don't know if I can imagine most Peterson fans actually taking in new information from people other than Peter, from other than Jordy Petey. Um, I think you kind of alluded to the fact that maybe some people were... Uh, uh, taken in towards the end because Jordan Peterson like ran out of things to say and just started listening to a Zizek lecture. Yeah, that that's really the most that I can say. So it definitely didn't have any real impact. Obviously, like I will say that for starters, even if they took in uh, uh, Zizek's ideas, really all they took them in to do was to you know introduce them to this the system of Jordan Peterson's ideas, quote unquote. And, you know, and it just ended up being a confirmation bias thing. Like, oh, look, they had a conversation. This means that uh, Zizek and Peterson agree with each other. And so I can, you know, uncritically accept Zizek's things as part of my system and it's going to be fine. And that was kind of the, I feel like that's what happens in any sort of public debate is you're not going to change people's minds because they're there to see their guy. They're not there to, you know, I don't know. I yeah. just have a rational conversation. I don't want to sound like one of those like YouTubers who are like, Oh, we need to have more logic and reason, but that, you know, they're not there for that at all. Anyways. I guess that kind of dovetails in with the next question uh, from Mogu, which is what other theorists would you want to see go up against JP? Like, do you think there is uh, someone who could have a constructive conversation in that kind of setting or would it just always be spectacle no matter what? I don't think that there's a leftist thinker who can have like, a, a like a constructive conversation with Jordan B. Peterson because he doesn't want to have a constructive conversation and like yeah. that's and his fans don't want to have constructive conversations about these sort of things. They want to be right, and that's you know not ever going to really you know lend itself to that. I like I feel like you know if you you know debates within say the left as a unit are one thing. Like you can have you know a debate series between like Noam Chomsky and Michel Foucault because they're on the same side broadly speaking. You can't have mm-hmm. one the left and the right because, and I hate to sound overly Milton, it's it's combat. You know the things you're going to be debating are going to be things that are life and death for people. And so I don't really think there's ever going to be 
a way that you could, I, I know there's plenty of thinkers that I think would be very funny. And I would like to see debate with uh, Peterson, but there's no one there that if I actually sat down and was like kind of sober and serious about it, there's no one where I think like, yeah, this could be potentially useful and good for those Peterson fans because like, the only ones who it would be potentially useful are people who still have noxious ideas about social issues. Mm-hmm. And I don't want someone to be a leftist, but keep all the bigoted garbage that they had before. Cause that's not really moving in a good direction anyway. Yeah. I, yeah, I agree with you there. Um, I think that kind of brings us to our last question from Siberian pine, which is actually a great, like kind of encapsulation of, I guess where we've gone with this conversation. Uh, So Siberian Pine says, I have a view of Zizek where I think his reactionary grumpy old man politics, uh, quote, trans dogma is incompatible with Freud, unquote, are super dangerous given their leftist framing, but I still think he's funny and like to see reactionaries flounder trying to deal with him. Do you worry that we're empowering someone with scope to be very harmful out of nostalgia for his better work and a desire to watch the spectacle? I mean, honestly, yeah, probably. Unfortunately, like he's, I, I, not that I see him being the head of anything important or serious anytime soon. I feel like he's kind of a dangerous figure to be being like empowered. Yeah, I think. Yeah, that's kind of the the big question of this debate. And I don't think I don't think there's an easy answer. Yes, it's a spectacle, and he's not great, but also. I don't know. I don't want to be like, yeah, like supporting a transphobe to own Jordan B. Peterson fans feels like a pretty, you know, shitty spot to be in. And that's why I'm, that's why honestly, I, 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 I as soon as I saw the, deb- uh, the debate come up, I went and immediately just bought tickets because, you know, uh, basically haha funny meme. And then almost immediately for the rest of the time the interim felt kind of bad about doing it because I <laughs> money to either of these people. Yeah. Like that was basically how my whole like the whole process that happened was just immediately like oh yeah I'm gonna go buy this is gonna be super funny and then immediately well I just gave money to Zizek and Jordan B Peterson and I don't right. super cool about having done that if I'm being completely honest that was and that's I think really the best answer I can give to the question is is yeah probably but I did so I'm not really in any position to say anything about other people doing it because you know I've done that I have you know sort of fed the machine as it were. And I, I feel like that's again, to go back to what we had talked about with Patrick's question, unfortunately kind of inevitable to a certain point because at the, right. St- I mean, it's a, a function. It's a, like a, a kind of uh, consumption under capitalism, which is never ethical. Like there's, there's no, there's no, there's no like debate that will actually be good to give money to in the grand scheme of things. It's just like mm-hmm. something that happens. And like I don't know where I'm going with this. No, I think I think that that makes sense. Like the biggest the biggest problem with like this whole thing is is there's not really ever been I'd say on the left or the right like an ideological figure who you can sit there and say yeah they're you know they're 100 someone I feel comfortable supporting 100 of the time. Mm-hmm. Like, you know a lot of like the big name leftist theorists and leftist you know academics and public figures almost all of them have at least one thing that are like and not to sound like I'm doing the right wing cancel culture thing but you know they all have things that are you know worth you know you know that would be worth saying this person you know should be thrown out and so i think that's the issue you run into is is until we start developing a you know a society that has the kind of people who 
you can turn to and there, there's not going to be those issues. Unfortunately, there's always going to be that holdover from previous generations and from different ways of thinking about things that are going to be problematic. Like even looking back at like the last big intellectual debate thing or whatever that happened when uh, it was Foucault and Chomsky. Uh, I know for a fact, like Foucault signed on a petition to lower, to eliminate France's age of consent back in the seventies. So like there's, you know, always those sort of things that are going to be disqualifying, I think, with a lot of early leftist leaders. Yeah. And I mean, like, that's kind of like that example and specifically is something obviously um, worth heavy critique and like a rejection of that person. Um, But like on a, on a wider scale, I think like thinking of human beings as people to be, to be thrown out or uh, to hope for a, a future where personality flaws and bad ideas won't exist is something that is kind of just unreasonable and uh, uh, unrealistic. Um, I think we, we have to work with what people are, which is flawed people. Oh, yeah. uh, and some flaws are worse than others for sure. And I'm not saying that like you can't, I'm not saying cancel culture is bad because there's things that people can't be given a platform for obviously. Um, but I think, can, like thinking of this thing in terms of whether a person is pure or not is never going to give any results because no one's pure because someone's always going to have bad ideas. Even the best intentioned person is going to have uh, poorly thought out things in their lives. Oh, oh yeah, I agree. With, I agree with you 100% on that. It's, it's just, it's very hard to sort of dance around the subject without accidentally sounding like I'm trying to say that, well, we have to ignore people's flaws. Exactly. And that's, yeah, that's the issue is that yeah, like, it's hard to talk about that without sounding like you're forgiving things for things which shouldn't be forgiven. Um, but at the end of the day, everyone's a human being. And whether you listen to that person or not, uh, they contain both bad and good. And oh, you have to take what you what you can from the good of that person, even if <laughs> you're rejecting the bad of that person. Because, uh, yeah, otherwise, you end up in a situation where literally every single i guess figure from any you know political tradition is you know going to have you know a list of things you could say like you wouldn't be able to do anything ever if you waited around for essentially a exactly for your you know set of ideas so yeah i think that it it kind of sucked giving money to the two of them but at the very least there's that convert like my only hope and this is where i will be optimistic about it is that 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 event occurring will encourage you know increased public conversation about these sorts of things and i think that's gonna would be a lot healthier and a lot more uh, positive and constructive yeah yeah i think that's the most that you can hope for to that sort of thing is is like uh is that you know instead of just you know it being uh well you know jordan peterson said this and zizek said that it turns into you know people having conversations with their families and with their friends about these sorts of issues not just you know capitalism and the stuff they were talking there but any sort of contentious issues that it encourages people to start having those at a sort of a person to person level where there's a greater chance of having that kind of uh, a, a, a greater movement, a shifting of the Overton window towards good and better yeah, for things. Sure. Um, I think that's probably a good end note. Yeah, I think so too. Um, so apologies again for the uh, irregular episode this week. Um, but I think this was a very interesting discussion. Thanks for your questions. Um, and now we'll get into the, uh, I guess we could, well, we could do Lightbringers. Um, do you have one? I've got a Lightbringer, yeah. 
my light my light bringer uh, for this week is I think you should leave with Tim Robinson, which has oh, I've heard good things. It's been one of the first like laugh out loud funny uh, st- like sketch comedy things that I've seen in a really long time, and it's managed to do that without being like the kind of show where you have to be like, well, look out for episode four or look out for this sketch and, you know, skip that because it says something that's, you know, unconscionable or whatever. I mean, if maybe I haven't gotten to that point yet, but so far it's managed to be extremely funny without having anything that I have to, you know, worry about uh, for myself or for anybody else if I'm recommending it. And that's just been very nice. Nice. Yeah. I, I, uh, I'll definitely check that out when I have a chance. Cause I've heard from several people whose comedy tastes I trust. That it's good. It's ex- it's extremely good. It's like if Mr. Show wasn't covered in like 90s edgy humor. Ah, is that the David Cross one? Yes. Hello? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I, I, I must have cut out when I said it, but yeah, that's the one. Ah, gotcha. Um, my Lightbringer is uh, E3, which is coming up in a couple weeks here, um, because I am a material girl in a material world. <laughs> Um, and despite the constant negative media, uh, E33, (laughs) um, I, consumerism is bad, but once a year I ignore that and get excited about video games and half the time, uh, Todd Howard comes out and mocks me for trusting him. (laughs) And the other half of the time I get enchanted in with a new thing I've never seen before and get excited about the fact that video games are are beautiful, uh, are made by people, which I hope before next E3, uh, the video game unionization effort is is full steam ahead because those folks need unions. 100%. Uh, I guess a question before we go for you. Uh, what new, what, uh, new sort of piece of hardware do you think that but Howard will be releasing Skyrim for at this year's E3? That's a great question. Um, I think, you know, Nintendo has said that the 3DS is on its way out, but there might still be third-party uh, games coming out for it. So I think uh, 2019 is the year of Skyrim 3DS. Oh, well, I look forward to, I look forward to Skyrim 3DS. Finally, the <laughs> yeah. 3D portable Skyrim experience that I've been waiting for. Well, it'll just be new 3DS because, uh, like, Minecraft is only available on the new 3DS with with its marginally higher horsepower. <laughs> um, yeah, that's my E3 prediction, and I'll stick to it. All right, well, we'll look um, if he takes the Doom. Um, Doom has been uh, Doom has been able to run on a uh, hair dryer. We'll see if Todd Howard comes out with uh, a waffle maker that, that can play Skyrim. Well, I wish. I wish Todd Howard would run with a hairdryer. Not a threat, just a fact. <laughs> All right, uh, my um, Discord's about to... Hey, it's me, Alex, again, from before. Um, so we lost Eden there. Uh, I apologize again for this episode. Uh, just a confluence of bad things going wrong with us for the recording. Um, so I'm just going to finish this out on my own here. Um, I want to thank our patrons. Uh, if you'd like to donate to episodes of better quality than this, of this podcast, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash HKIPGTD and donate at the $1 level, which gives us you access to bonus content, uh, such as Lightbringers, outtakes, post shows, uh, or you can donate at the $5 level, 
which gives you a special role in the Discord and a shout out on the podcast for being such a good comrade. At the $10 tier, you get an even more special role in the Discord that allows you to listen in on our podcast while we record it, as no one was doing, luckily, honestly, <laughs> during that recording. Um, so yeah, let's uh, thank the patrons. I want to thank Stephanie Ruff, David Besser, Burgermeister, hmm, th- thank you for that name, uh, Dr. Activisionary, Alex Schaup, Pregnant Seinfeld, Fully Automated Luxury Gay Space Hellcat, Six Arm Sweater, Michael Weems, Mogu, Kangaria, Florian Siegel, The Tallest Jew, Tufster McGee, Siberian Pine Hardwood, Ellen the Anarcholandiest, Evan, Actual Socialist Elon the Musk, Nick Vern, Summer Geist, Ollie Anders, Alex Hoot, Springo Zuma Kuwoinga Boingi Boingi, Bryant, Chaz Goblin, Nick Clarkson, Maximilian Rower, Destryhawk, Kadejo, Bernie Sandor Clegane, Non-Binary with Left Beef, Dickbutt is the Real Jesus, PR the Disaster, Dijonese, Paul Blart Fleshclart. I'm not going to repeat that. Uh, you can find us on Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, Gmail, Discord, and our subreddit, generally at HKIPGTD. Thank you to Bisexual Punch Party for running our subreddit. Thank you to the taxpayers for letting us use their song, Evil Men, off the album Cold Hearted Town. Uh, we are on Spotify and Stitcher. Uh, thank you to Matt of GameCube Nintendo, of Noisespace.xyz, of the show, of us, of Friends of Life, for everything uh, he does behind the scenes here. Um, if you want to donate to our little podcast crèche, you can go to the Noisespace.xyz Patreon to chip in and let and help Matt cover uh, server costs. Um, there are other shows on this little network and uh since i'm the only one here i'm gonna recommend uh podcasting is forbidden in the cloud recesses because i was on an episode just today uh and it was good i enjoyed it i liked i liked to say it and you'll love to hear it um my name is alex leaf crunch you can find me at leaf crunch on twitter and at tumblr.com slash nope that's not how tumblr works but whatever leaf crunch uh you can find eden on twitter at tp underscore albuquerque um, you can find, I already said where you can find us. Um, I think that's it. Apologies. Uh, I haven't done, I don't think anyone's done this solo before. Uh, I think we're good. I think I'm going to say goodbye now. Um, Memento Pokemori.